the Professionally Speaking Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Professionally Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan J. Warner, and with me today is Mayan Gordon. She is a five-time founder, she's an entrepreneur, and she's also a very, very successful social media marketer, influencer, all of the above. Mayan, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me on your show. It was fantastic when I was looking, I, I had to check out your profile again just before this. I wanted to double check all of the different roles and the different achievements you've had. And I, I wasn't quite sure how to sum it up in one sentence. So I just, I threw it all out there. Did I miss anything? I mean, yes, there's like a million other things that I've done, but um, <laughs> it would be ridiculous to to list all of them. And I don't know that all of them are um, necessarily accomplishments, just as much as things that I've tried out along the path of discovery. Oh, okay. Was it like, like horseback riding and other things, horseback riding and things like that? <laughs> yeah. Well, so for example, like I'm a glass blower. Um, it's something oh. that I, you know, built one of my businesses around. Um, it's something I, you know, partially identify with because I'll probably do it the rest of my life, but I'm not actively glass blowing right now since we just moved to Birmingham, Alabama. I don't have like a at home studio set up just yet. Wow, that is fascinating. We might we may have just opened up a can of worms there, but before we <laughs> before we go too far ahead, uh, so t- please tell our listeners a little bit about what do you do currently? What's your day to day like right now? Yeah, so the way actually I would answer those two questions maybe differently. So what I do usually that's more of like a professional. Um, people want to know what do I do for work, or even more specifically, how do I make money? Is usually what people mean <laughs> sure. uh, when they they ask me what I do. So how I make money currently is I have a consulting business where I really only take on like one to three clients at a time. Um, that's a you know retainer model, and I help them in anything from you know social media, organic content marketing to uh, improving processes and systems. Um, to, you know, optimizing communication and mapping customer experience and customer journey. Uh, So that's what I do from, you know, the pay my bills side. What I do in still the professional space, but more on a long-term play of, um, you know, financial gain and just value creation is working as an advisor in other people's businesses. So I I really love to use kind of my unique skill sets to add fuel to the fire of what someone else is building that I think is both really significant in terms of creating positive social and cultural impact, but also has, I think, a really high potential for business growth and, and the financial you know, outcome of that. So really just to give some people concrete examples of what that looks like, there's a sports broadcasting software platform that I'm an advisor in. It's called ProScored, and they're basically trying to shift the power away from these, you know, large broadcasters like ESPN, which um, basically take, you know, all of the money from these different organizations, <laughs> sure. especially at the college level, right? Colleges and college athletes um, with the, you know, start of NIL, there's kind of this, this big movement of them realizing, oh, we can build these brands, we have a lot more power, um, but the broadcasters are not wanting to facilitate that in any way. So that's one company. Um, another one, as an example, is a social impact franchise model. So if you think about a franchise like, you know, Burger King or, uh, you know, McDonald's, they're selling a food product. This social impact uh, franchise is selling a membership where the bulk of the money goes 
to feeding food insecure kids within your own community. So it's still a you know, really phenomenal revenue model. It's a subscription base, which if you're not familiar, subscription companies are um, kind of the highest valued format of a, a business that you can have. Um, and just, you know, incredibly stable because you have that recurring revenue. But this is not just selling a product that people enjoy. This is, you know, selling something that really does good within the community. So I spend, um, you know, a small of my a small amount of my time on really each of those things. And then the rest of what I do, so to answer the what do I do on a day to day basis mm -hmm. um, is things like this. I really love doing speaking engagements, whether that's on podcasts, whether it's virtual events or in-person events. Um, sometimes I'll put together workshops for people either within my local community or some, you know, online community. Um, and then I just love meeting people. I think people are absolutely fascinating. I think every single person has a really interesting story and path and journey. And so I spend probably half of my time that is, you know, let's call it work time. Um, and I did air quotes for people who, who can't see <laughs> <laughs> getting getting to speak with people. And that, that really doesn't feel like work for me. It really just feels like a joy. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. Um, but let me just pick on, pick on the one thing you, you mentioned with the, the social impact organization you're working with. Do you decide how to frame what they want to do and, and messaging wise to the public, or do you help them decide which, I guess, mechanisms to use to get out there? How, like what's the, what's the role there? Yeah, so that one is still getting off the ground. Um, we launched an impact investor network to kind of get funds going for that. Um, and if you're not familiar with franchises, they take quite a long time, like legally and otherwise, to to get set up. So that's still in the process of being structured properly. Um, and so what I'm doing right now is really supporting, I would say, the the main founder, one, emotionally. So actually, a lot of what I do is just internal emotional support and, and cheerleading and um, making sure that people feel motivated and appreciated. Um, and then I would say, yeah, you know, it's a lot of figuring out how to communicate what it is that we're doing to the either general population or to investors or to specific people that, you know, we're communicating with right now. Um, and a reason that I'm able to help in that area is because I realized not too long ago that I really, really like complexity. And so the projects that I end up choosing to work with oftentimes are quite complex, either from an organizational structure standpoint, or just the number of components that are involved in the business. And so, you know, figuring out how to translate a large number of things or a highly complex model into something that is very simple so that people can get it right away when we're talking about it is a challenge that I really enjoy. Yeah, it sounds like it. And from from just my experience with you, I, I could tell you're very in tune with people. Is that natural? Have you always been like that since you were young? Do you remember always kind of being connected? No, I used to be so awkward. Like I really <laughs> didn't have any type of friends growing up um, the way that I have friendships now. And that's because I really didn't understand how other people thought or processed the world. And I was so shocked that it was different from the way that I thought about and processed the world. Um, or like I used to use sarcasm a lot more and realized on my journey that that's a very sensitive, if you're going to be sarcastic, you better uh, be really, really careful uh, when and who, with whom you're using that sarcasm. Um, and I just, yeah, didn't really understand 
how you build relationships with different people who have completely different personalities. And it took me a lot of concerted effort and I would say inner work to understand how I was processing the world. So, right, if you don't even understand how you're operating, it's very hard to understand how I think other people are operating. And so those two things really grew hand in hand with me. The more I learned about myself, the more I learned about other people because it became um, more natural to go, oh, if I'm thinking about things that way, now I can understand how people are either also thinking about things that same way or how they're thinking about them differently. So just, you know, self-awareness has been um, my greatest tool in terms of understanding other people. Yeah, that's great. Self, I mean, self-awareness is one of the most, so kind of what I preach too, it's one of the most powerful skills you can develop because then you're able to really kind of break down what happened in a situation and, and how to improve going forward, get a, a better outcome. Uh, when you were going through this path yourself, through this journey, at that point, at some point, did you realize that this is what you want to do? You want to work more with that tool? Which tool specifically are you referencing? The self, the self-reflection, the self-assessment, the whole self-understanding. Yeah, I would say that probably came about maybe two years ago, um, which feels both like a lifetime ago and like very, <laughs> very recently. Uh, so you know, one of the interesting things I've experienced as I, you know, learn more on my journey, and this is something, right, like um, we've heard lots of places is the more you know, the more you realize how much you don't know. So that's very mm -hmm. true. Um, I would say at the same time, same time, um, time itself has become very uh, different in terms of it, it, my experience of it. So I would say that I experience a large level of time dilation, which kind of how that um, looks in a day-to-day -day basis is every day feels very, very long, but also all the days together feel like they're moving very, very quickly. Um, and that's allowed me to, I think, become unattached to any previous self or identity or experiences that I've had, because I really do feel like both a completely new person every day and the same person that I've always been. Wow. That's kind of incredible. It is like being, <laughs> I, I really think being a human being is like mind blowing, um, which is why I like to spend so much of my time with other human beings, because I just think it's the most fascinating thing, you know, of not only our experience, but I think we are one of the great, and this is maybe a little human ego driven, but I think we are one of the great wonders of the universe. <laughs> well, I hope so. I hope one day it, people look back on this and say, yeah, you know what? My own was right. We are one of the great wonders. <laughs> um, tell our listeners a little bit about your, your transition from being a founder to uh, being a, what would you call it? Promotional marketing expert. Yeah. So when I was running my own businesses, the way I thought about myself was I was just good at business. I really didn't understand why I was continually successful in each of the businesses that I started. Um, I kind of attribute it to, I have a knack for it. Right. Okay. I was like, I, I don't know why, but clearly I'm good at this because it keeps working and it kept working without really, like I'd never made a business plan 
um, or even, you know, knew the different types of business plans until probably, you know, four or five years ago, um, just had really no business education. <laughs> and so I was as surprised, I think, as anyone that it just kept working for me. And then when I connected with people on LinkedIn, that's where a real shift in awareness for me came from. And with that shift in awareness came the pivot from really being a business founder, um, an operator to someone who's a you know, marketer, uh, at least more, more in that focus. And again, I was always doing marketing because I was a solopreneur. My husband helped me in my businesses, but it was just the two of us. So I was wearing all of the hats. I was, you know, mm. doing social media content. I was fulfilling and like packing and shipping orders. I was like making the products, like all of the things that you can imagine. Um, and until I got feedback from other people that I was really good at marketing, I was unaware. I thought everyone who built a business had to be good at marketing. Otherwise, how could they make sales? How could they have a successful business? I thought it was just something that everyone was learning the same that I was through like trial, um, trial and error. And then when I started really having a lot of conversations with other business owners and other um, executives and just all sorts of other professional people, uh, that's when I realized I had a unique skill set when it came to marketing and branding. And it wasn't something that one, everyone had, two, that even everyone could could develop, that I had both uh, increased capacity um, and capability to, to do that. Wow, that's a that's a great story. So the the whole you went through the process and basically the the feedback you received along the way kind of illuminated. Hey, I, I'm got a good handle on this. Maybe maybe I could see this differently than other people. Something like that. Yeah, and you know, before I hopped on LinkedIn, which was 2019, like late 2019, I was having zero conversations with other business owners. So I really only had my own experience and thoughts to like process and analyze things through. Um, and I think that was, you know, looking back, not a not a mistake, but if I was going to go back and change, you know, one thing, it probably would have been to have more conversations, not necessarily to do anything differently, um, but just to get yeah feedback from people outside of myself so that I could have become more self-aware more quickly. Mm hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, we you expedite the the learning curve a little bit and we'll see better outcomes. But so tell us a little bit about like what you learned in that experience. How do you use that now? Like what what are some most give our, our audience some effective marketing tips and some some strategies? Yeah, I think um another one hopefully people have have heard of this kind of saying before, which is if you want people to be interested in you, all you have to do is be interested in them. So one of the things that I learned about why I was being effective or what was making me effective was my curiosity, like genuinely being curious in other people and in whatever the subject matter that I was learning about or engaged in had a like massive, massive impact. And so practically, I think this is a, a great tip I would love to share what that can look like for the audience and everyone listening is if you're on social media and you're taking the time to write a post or to engage with people in the comments, especially this part, engaging with people in the comments, most people have a mindset about I'm doing it to drive engagement for me. They're not leaning into their own interest of the actual post. Like forget about the outcome, 
focus on what you're reading and just let your curiosity really grab hold of what it is you're reading and leave a comment based off of that, not with the thought of I'm leaving a comment strategically to generate a specific mm. outcome. Like if you give control and give in to your curiosity, it will lead you in far better places than this prefrontal cortex that we value so much. We really, I think, um, overvalue our um, cognition compared to our intuition. Um, and so, you know, really leaning into my intuition has been something that has served me incredibly well, not only in marketing, but in everything business related. And I would say, especially on the, as you mentioned, the like feeling people and kind of getting to know people and reading people aspect. Mm, that's really interesting, especially for me, my, a lot of my backgrounds in psychology. And I'm just, I'm wondering, is that the default? Do people before they post or comment, do they typically think, what can I say to generate the most interest rather than what I, what I actually want to happen? Yes. And so this is, I love psychology too. So think about when someone opens up any social media platform, they're in one of two default modes. One is entertainment. Like I want to be entertained or I want to pass okay. time or not be bored. Right. Um, the other is I want to accomplish some, some type of progress. Um, that progress can be in many different area, areas, usually is, is business related. So I either want to um, engage my uh, entertainment side of my brain, or I want to engage in a focused effort based. And that's the difference between the two. Entertainment is very passive. Um, progress or business is much more proactive and focused. And so depending on which default mode they're in, they're going to approach one, what they're reading differently to how they're commenting differently. So I think actually, if you're opening up social media with the um, kind of mental framework that you're just there to like read some interesting stuff and then you're leaving comments, that's probably going to be more effective to your business than if you open it up and go, I'm here to um, make people think that I am one way or the other, or to build trust online, like really, again, leaning into your own personality. And that also, I mean, that requires working on your personality. And that's I think, sure. a whole different, interesting topic where people think that they're, um, a lot of people really believe that their personalities are um, something almost like they're like it's a permanent part of them and it's not something flexible, but your mm. personality is absolutely something that you are designing. Um, it's not something that was like gifted to you by the gods. It's something you do have a quite a lot of sense of control and agency over. Um, and so if you're, if you're a jerk, um, then like your comments probably aren't going to come across very well online. Um, cause that'll be your natural kind of like personality state. But if you think of yourself as someone who's really kind and empathetic and, uh, supportive and creates value for other people, that's going to come out the most when you are being the most yourself, when you are the most in your own personality. And we are most in our real personality when we're consuming entertainment more than when we're trying to be professional. Wow. That's yeah, that is very, that is very fascinating. And it makes, it makes sense on like a deep level once you start thinking about it. But I imagine many of us will revert back to, yeah, what do I, how do I want this to land <laughs> before we start sending something? 
Exactly. And for me, I think one of my um, strengths has been that I'm not afraid of failing in a social sense. And that came from like, I would just, it was my norm, as I mentioned, growing up, like I was very used to things not landing the way that I wanted. And so there wasn't for me a huge benefit to trying to be a certain way. And so I realized, you know what, I'm going to stop trying to be a particular way that isn't my true self. And if I show up and it, it has a negative impact, I'm going to look internally and see what about my personality and who I am, I might need to actually adjust, not adjusting the, the mask or the, the layer that I'm putting out into the world, but adjusting the deep core layer of who I am, because that is what propagates to all of the other layers, right? Like if we're an onion, uh, as Shrek uh, has <laughs> well stated, um, <laughs> the, the great, uh, you know, wise Shrek, um, it's the core of the onion that, you know, determines the sweetness or the, I don't know what the other flavor an onion has, but the, the not sweetness <laughs> of, of your onion. Yeah, the the oniony taste of, of the, the onion. onion. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, the part that gives you bad breath. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I think everyone will will catch on to that. Uh, Mayan, were you always a good communicator, or is that a skill as well that you've developed along the way in parallel? That was a skill I developed in parallel. Um, it definitely helped that I read a massive amount growing up. Um, so because I wasn't really great at making friends, um, and this sounds a little sad, and it is a little sad, I don't but also it. is, <laughs> but it's also, I think, uh, I think we really discount the, um, beauty of childhood a lot of times. And while some adults might be like, oh, it's sad that your friends that you would have considered your closest friends were imaginary. I think there's something intrinsically really beautiful to that is that I could imagine um, these books and these worlds that I was reading about in almost more of a sense of reality than my real lived experience. And that connection to a reality through language was paramount to my ability to learn communication, I think, later on in life. So similar to how there's lots of studies of, um, you know, babies and like toddlers, if they learn multiple languages, right before a certain age, mm -hmm. they forever the rest of their lives are better at learning new languages and language yeah. is easier for them. So I think for me, um, reading and creating reality through language or a, a version of reality that to me felt very real um, has allowed me later on in life to continue to tap into that ability. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, I imagine that you can kind of craft and not worlds, but visions and, and for others using the same experiences that you had. Yes, 100%. The only reason I would say I'm able to communicate effectively in terms of um, like, first, what is effective communication? Like, let's set the groundwork there. I would say there's a number of different ways to look at that. Um, but it's communicating in a way where People either um, receive your, your communication in the same way that you intended or that you're even beyond that influencing some level of their thoughts, emotions, uh, or behaviors. And so to do that, I had to be able to feel that myself. I had to create 
my own internal language. And this started with my, my thoughts in my mm-hmm. head. Mm-hmm. So, um, I know that not everyone thinks in words, like some people are much more, they think visually. Um, but I think very, I also can, can think visually, but that's something I have to do intentionally compared to my natural brains process is like words going all the time. Um, there has never been quiet inside my head for the most part. And so, uh, that language and that communication started out really negative growing up. Right. I think a lot of people experience, um, you know, both in childhood and still in, in adulthood, a lot of negative self-talk and that really impacted me emotionally growing up. And once I committed to this journey of, um, kind of taking control of that voice, because I do think it can become so programmed into us that we feel like we have no control over that voice and that voice is attacking us or kind of making our life really difficult. And once I just, I committed to saying that is literally my own voice that is speaking, I am going to figure out how I can control it and how I can make it, um, the same way that it what felt like it was out of control in a negative way. I want it to feel out of control in a positive way Mm. where without effort, my default thoughts are all like empowering and encouraging. So the way that I think about that is, right, we have um, our sense of self, and then we have this voice in our head that almost is like a whole nother person um, inside of us talking to us. We really don't feel like it's us talking to us. We feel like it's a whole different, separate voice talking to us, which is why it can be so incredibly powerful um, and either affirming or um, really detrimental. And so now I have this voice that is talking to me in this positive way all the time. And I actually have gone past that level to realizing and kind of designing it mentally in a way where it's my collaborator. So when I'm trying to create messaging and communication now, I can go back and forth with my um, self-concept voice and this other voice that's inside my head to, for me to initiate uh, let's say a sentence and I go, okay, here's, here's my first, first thought. And first thought is actually a really great concept. If you're into writing, um, there's a lot of writing exercises where you're trying to capture first thought. Mm-hmm. So I'll kind of, you know, put out a first thought and then I get feedback from second thought or this second voice in that process of back and forth. And then once I have the feedback, then I use first thought again, um, to go, it, is that right? Is that the right direction? Like, do I listen to second thought? And so it's a back and forth between um, two voices within my own head that helps me optimize my communications. Wow, I don't know if that's unique um, to you. Maybe others have that. I definitely don't. I'm like, (laughs) for the way I've always optimized my communication is kind of putting myself in the shoes of the receiver, the recipient. And, you know, think about like what's valuable for them and what's the easiest way for them to understand this. How much time do they have? How do I make it more concise? Things like that. But if you're able to actually have that inner dialogue, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty fascinating. Yeah. I would say where that came from is I realized I was terrible and we all have different skill sets. I I'm terrible at conceiving other people's realities. Um, My Mm. brain just doesn't work that way. So this will actually kind of make sense. That's a large part of why my journey has been um, seemingly sporadic and in many different directions is I realized that really for me, the only way to understand other people's experiences 
was for me to live those experiences myself. Mm. And so part of why I can do that and have this kind of back and forth internal communication um, is because I, there's really not a single person now And this again, took a long time to build up to, but there's not really a single person where I don't feel like I have a similar lived experience to them, no matter what they've been through. Now there's some ex- exceptions. Like I haven't experienced um, extreme trauma, such as like going to war um, or, um, you know, sexual abuse or uh, those types of things. But in reading and uh, reading about other people who have experienced those things, mm-hmm. because I had this power of imagination, I do still have some sense emotionally of what that might feel like. And again, I'm very aware. Uh, no one, in fact, no one's emotions are the same. We have these words to try and help us communicate, but we all feel things differently, completely differently. Um, there's shared components, but what sad feels like to me might be completely different than what sad feels like to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being aware of that, but then also being able to pull out the parts that are the shared common experience, it, at least in a way where I can communicate and bridge some of that that gap of, of our experiences is something that, again, I, I really was able to do that through reading about other people's experiences and setting my mind or setting my imagination to a mode where I said, pretend that this is you going through this and really lean into that as much as like my brain has the, um, you know, capability to do that, which is, I think we have a real, uh, you know, powerful ability in our imaginations and the way in which we're using our brain now is not even close to, you know, what it can be used for. And that comes through training, right? Like this is very proven that if you practice some, anything that is cognitive or in which your brain is doing the work to create, you know, your experience, the more you practice it, the better you get at it. And so I've just spent um, really my entire life practicing, creating emotions and creating an a, a reality around that emotional experience. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you create stronger pathways and your recognition. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I, I totally understand you not wanting to assume and not wanting to insult anyone by saying, oh, I know what you've been through, even though you haven't. There is something to be said for the fact you're, you're making, you've made the effort. Like, I think that's more than most people do that to actually try to endeavor to feel what they felt, even if you haven't. I think that resonates. Yeah. And, you know, again, that comes from uh, my childhood experience where there were times when I was just in like such deep emotional pain, um, like the kind where you're, you know, crying on the bathroom floor so intensely that you're not making a sound, right? Like a type of internal pain that you cannot physically express that really um, reduced any amount of fear that I had about being willing to try and experience other people's pains. I kind of went to the depth of my my own emotional experience to know I can't feel deeper than this, um, whether it's through my own emotions or someone else's. And so I have a real willingness to experience emotional pain because I've been to the bottom of my own well. Um, and I, I came out okay. Um, now, it, it was a horrible, painful childhood experience <laughs> to like, sit down there for a long time, but I now as an adult have the skills for how to come out of that 
that deep, dark hole very quickly. And so it's not something um, that I'm afraid of doing. And I actually have seen a tremendous amount of, of benefit from being willing to go to those places regularly. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. Um, for a, a good example is like people love to watch sad movies, right? Um, people love to watch horror movies. Like we do as human beings have almost a, almost like sick love of pain. Um, and I think I just realized that and was willing to lean into it a little to say, you know, I like to some degree, like obviously it's not a great feeling, but I do like to feel emotional pain sometimes because it makes me feel connected mm-hmm. to other people. And if, if the, the pain came without the connection, I'd be so not interested. Um, but it's just such a powerful way to be able to connect not only with individuals, but with our concept of humanity. And I used to feel what I uh, kind of came up with a term for um, and referred to as cosmic loneliness, which I think stems from our awareness that we are so insignificant in the scale of the universe. Like I'm super into space and I was uh, just talking with my husband earlier today and he was like, whoa, did you know a single light year is like five trillion miles? I was like, yeah. And guess what? There's like billions of light years in the universe. Our brains cannot even comprehend the scale of that. And we are like this nothing little less than a microscopic dot. And so I think that makes us feel um, this deep sense of like loneliness and disconnection from existence in the universe. And for me, the solution to that is to be connected to people. Um, It's the only reason, in my opinion, that we matter. I don't think the universe gives a crap about human beings, but other human beings do give a a huge crap about human beings. (laughs) Wow. We got really deep there. We got, we were really, (laughs) we were on a a few layers deeper than, than I have in the past podcast. So the listeners got a special treat on this one. They got a workout. Absolutely. You know, that's a, I used to have very surface level conversations and I realized they, uh, they weren't as meaningful to me as, (laughs) as going really deep. And you know, from a, I know this is about professionalism and speaking and communicating. Um, yep. For me, why I like to talk about all this stuff is all of my success in those areas stems from what we're talking about right now. And it seems on the surface like they're not connected. Like, how can being successful in business? How can be? Um, how can you know professionalism have anything to do with cosmic loneliness and our connection to the universe? but I've found it's the most connected thing I could possibly describe. And if I had to give anyone, you know, one word of advice or like one piece of advice, it wouldn't be a surface level thing. It would be a deep thing that if they change that one thing, everything changes. I think that's the real struggle people have is they know how to change. um, You know, they know how to work out. They know how to um, read a book or do a course those things aren't necessarily going to change your whole life. And I think far more people are trying to change their entire life than they are trying to change a sing- single aspect of it. So that's why, that's why I really like to talk about these things. No, that's fantastic. And that leads us perfectly into our last question. And again, thank you so much for your time today, Mayan. We appreciate it. Uh, what piece of advice would you give <laughs> someone who is, you know, just graduating college, ready to start their careers 
and maybe they're considering a career in social media or marketing or something in that area, what, what would you tell them? Yeah, so I'm going to go really practical because I've been very philosophical this whole conversation. <laughs> and I, I always want people to walk away with something, um, one, that they can implement right away, two, that I think has real um, immediate impact. So the one piece of advice I would give, and this comes from um, reflecting on my years of marriage, really, um, is spend more time with yourself doing nothing. Uh, and I think the easiest way to do that is schedule 10 minutes of time where you do not have your phone, where you're not on your laptop, where you literally just sit with yourself. And I do not mean meditation. I mean, where you're actively thinking about yourself, your life, anything that comes to mind and reflect on it. I think reflection is a, um, again, a, a, a mode or like a mental uh, position that we can put ourselves in. So turn on your reflection mode of your brain and sit there and just think. And that will like, you'll come up with all the answers that you need for all the questions that you have. Well, there you go. That's, that's a pretty powerful statement right there. It's pretty bold. I, yes. Be bold. There's another one. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Mayan, thank you so much again for coming on. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, if the listeners want to get in touch with you, if they, if they like what you have to say, I'm sure they will. How can they reach out? How can they follow you? Yeah. LinkedIn is the best place to connect with me. Um, it's the platform I spend the most time on and like actually answer my messages. Um, and if you just search my, my first name, last name, I will be the first one that, that pops up. It's the benefit of having a unique name. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, once again, we, we thank you so much for, for coming on. And to all our listeners out there, we wish you success in your future speaking endeavors.